You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 208 of PHP Ugly, your weekly dose of grumpy developers complaining about their life and coding. I need a better opening. What can I say? I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me, John Congdon. Hello, hello. And the man working behind the curtains nowadays, Thomas Rideout. Hello. <laughs> I think Thomas has like gotten too excited about running OBS that so he doesn't even want to be part of the show anymore. He just no. wants to do OBS. That has that has completely worn off. I had a dream last night that we were doing the podcast and I had neglected to do any of the transitions I was supposed to do. <laughs> Good man. Um, See, yeah, I we, like that. We got all the way to the end of the podcast and somebody said, Hey, how come you're not doing the cool transition stuff anymore? And I went, Oh no. And I woke up oh, in a no. cold sweat. But were you crying at the same time? Yes. It's been a hard week. <laughs> I think it's been a hard week for everybody. <laughs> that that's why you, you have to upgrade. Oh nice. You gotta, gotta go with the, a beer. I too yeah. am drinking yeah. a vegan beer. Nice. Is this a birthday Other, beer? Birthday no, boy? It is. Happy birthday, John. Happy Kong. birthday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, uh, uh, friends of, of the show, Linda and Ben, uh, com- commented two weeks ago when I was drinking a Truly on the show because also I, vegan. Had, I had a uh, a margarita before the show. So I was good to go. I just wanted a little something extra. So I, I had that and they noticed on stream that i was drinking a truly and you know called me out for Got it upset <laughs> so the truly uh, the truly's though are very deceptive that's a five percent alcohol drink it is more than a like a coors light or a bud yeah but when you when you're talking to me i'm used to drinking eight to ten plus percent beers so that's true it truly eight really is like beers five <laughs> percent i kind of like uh, okay yeah, that's, it sparkles when it hits my tongue. <laughs> I went golfing this past weekend. Really? I didn't realize Budweiser had a sparkling, uh, a, a hard sparkling cider. Or not, well, yeah, everyone does now because it it's like the easiest thing in the world to make. I, I didn't know this. My my brother-in-law was like, hey, do you have any sparkling, uh, any of the hard sparkling water? And she's like, I have. Budweiser, and we're like, okay, it's 110 degrees, and we just want something kind of right. mellow. <laughs> so it works. Well, earlier this year, Corona came out with their sparkling drink, and they had to quickly, uh, quickly pull all of their marketing material and and change it because it said "catch a Corona." <laughs> Only 19 calories. <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one uh, wants to catch a Corona right now. Not even if it only has 19 calories. How was everybody's week, John? Start with you. How was your week? Why me? Uh, as usual, ups and downs, you know, things, things can be really good one day and horrible the next. So I had a great week with when it comes to testing. I, when I get to write unit tests and things go well, I love it. Uh, getting to review some code where I can give advice on testing has been nice. I feel like I'm learning more 
every day. Then you get to Thursdays. And while it ends great because we get to do our show, it's Wednesday night is release time for uh, Phone Burner. So we get to Thursday and 8 a.m. I'm right at it. You know, I, I'm getting phone calls this morning from my wife's father, my father, right at eight o'clock. And I have to silence like, nope, sorry, can't take these calls because, of course, something went wrong in the release and we're fighting fires right away. <laughs> but that's part of development, I guess. How about you guys? How about you, Thomas? Uh, Boy, I have been working on my Laravel 8 upgrade still, uh, working on a lot of horrendous webpack um <laughs> i've i've got an issue where i've i've got hundreds of sas files that all need to be handled individually it's not just you know one page one one file site i've got some page their own sas file i mean we're talking 45 minutes for it to run production but why is the upgrade of laravel 8 affecting your sas files because elixir is pull we were using gulp and we've been wanting to upgrade from Gulp to Mic, but now we're required. But even still, your SAS, it shouldn't affect your SAS files. Well, no, it's <clears throat> Gulp ran through hundreds of SAS files just fine. It's Laravel Mix or Webpack that's having trouble being told to handle them all at once. Um, I ended up writing a script that, that broke it up using arguments. So, you know, chunk one, chunk two, chunk three, like that. And I'm now compiling my SAS files like that in chunk. Hmm. And as I say that, I'm realizing my mix manifest might get broken. I'm still confused because all Webpack is hmm. at that point is a is a gateway to... The SAS compiler, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like the Node SAS compiler has issues or is not being loaded correctly in Mix. Um, hmm. Normally, you would say, you know, SAS compiler, compile these three into one file. Uh, but it looks like what Laravel Mix is doing is loading all the files at once into a single instance of SAS, and it's causing some kind of issue. It's either loading up the memory or the swap file is one thing I've read. You have to have a high, huge swap file if you've got a lot of SAS file. But it's it's a bug that's documented pretty well in the Laravel Mix uh, GitHub-ish, but no one actually taking it seriously. So, so is the so is the issue really time? It's really just slow to compile, or is there an actual issue yeah, no, with the output? It's just forty five minutes to compile, and that's causing issues with our deployment chain. So our servers aren't finishing their deployments on time. And you know, when we when we deploy upwards ten times a day, sometimes that's not going to work. Yeah, it's you're actually deploying to production ten times a day. Sometime. How do you do that when you don't unit test? I'm yes. fascinated by this. That's why they do it because they don't <laughs> unit test. <laughs> but, 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 but. No. Because it's very, it's usually very small things. It's not the, uh, it's, it's not the core code base that's getting changed. Things like uh, style, small style changes, uh, or things being in the wrong order. I mean, yeah, unit tests would help. But as well, I was, they, they, as I was told earlier it, today, priorities. They, take four, they help until they take 45 minutes to run, and then you're trying to get something out the door. Well, <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't happen. When I run it in my chunked mode that I, that I wrote a Laravel command for, it runs in, I would say, seven minutes. So still, that's a lot just for SAS. Yeah, it's way too much. Some, it's it's clearly the result of a bug. In, in Eric, how about you? There's so many things I want to talk about. I don't know where to start. <laughs> so first thing, we got Buttery Crumpets uh, live with us in chat, and he says he got his swag. Uh, I'll send you a pitch pick when I take a good one on the weekend. Cool, man. I am very excited. I'm I'm so happy he got to you. I was a little stressed. I don't know why. They're just Yes, you saw it's not anything special, but I just wanted to make sure it got to you. I just wanted to 
make sure you understood how much we appreciate just you being around for all this time. It's it's uh, it's a big deal to us. We thank you. My week, uh, you know, I'm I'm loving life, man. I, I enjoy I enjoy what I do for a living, and uh, it's it's a blast, man. I I, I uh, got a had a little bit of a project this week, which had me dive into JavaScript a little bit. And I got to manipulate DOM the DOM around a little. You know, I enjoy that. I mean, that's like the one piece of JavaScript I like. I like manipulating the DOM. Uh, that was fun. But yeah, I mean, nothing too exciting. Um, just normal coding stuff. Uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback. Do you guys care if I talk about the System76 machine more? Because I get go a lot of people it. talk asking me about that. No, yeah, I want to hear more. <laughs> so uh, not a sponsor. Paid full price, full retail for this. You know, this is nothing... So I'm free to talk about it however, however but, I feel. But if you want to sponsor the episode, I could use a machine. Yes. <laughs> We're not stopping you. The same Thomas goes for right car reviews. If you, if you want to give us a Mercedes or something like that, we would absolutely cover that for a whole episode. Private plane trips. I mean, we'll, we'll do those Instagram pictures Those, for those you. can get you into trouble now. I've, people are, people's names are showing up on private plane lists. I don't think that's good. That's true. Um, so system 76 machine, you know, it's a love hate thing. Uh, I've been, I've been using it full time ever since, uh, I, I first got it a few weeks ago. I worked with Thomas this week a little bit. We figured out the Skype. So the, the Skype issue I've been having is the overarching biggest problem I have right now. I've worked through a lot of things. Uh, I finally gave up on that. My desktop going to sleep mode and, this again, I've never had uh, yeah, that a lot of success. Well, it doesn't work anywhere. I, I've never a Windows my Windows machine years ago. Um, my Macs, everything in sleep mode doesn't ever seem to work correctly. Uh, Linux is horrible, so I finally gave up on that, which resolved a lot of my uh, graphics issue because it would. It, I was having the issue when it would wake up from sleep sleep mode. Um, it was certain windows wouldn't paint back in. And you basically had to shut everything down and start everything back up. It was a waste of time. So I do. I mean, the the screens turn off. It just doesn't go. In, it does just doesn't suspend anymore. So I'm okay with that. It's not that big of a deal to me. My biggest issue right now is just the audio. The audio issues. Um, I'm constantly putting my Bluetooth headphones on and taking them off. I'm I'm in and out of meetings. I listen to my music through uh, speakers. Um, and for whatever reason, every time I do that transition, all my settings go out of whack. Uh, the headphones don't switch over correctly. It it tries to take over the mic and the headphones which is the problem we were having with Skype. Uh, Thomas figured it out that the Bose actually goes and in, go into another mode when it thinks it needs to act as a, as the mic and headphones. And um, you can usually hear that though. At least I can. And my, when, when my mic is activated on the Bose, the, the sound is just different. Well, well on these, it's only done it with the Linux machine. It says, it even says call from, and I kept, I kept wondering, I'm like, why is this thing call from I'm not on a call with anybody. And that's, that was like an indication that it was in this call mode. Huh. And it's, it's very it, possible that Bluetooth four doesn't sound different anymore when it's in that mode. Yeah. And that's not even the biggest problem. The biggest problem is when I go to take them off, it's, it doesn't return my audio settings to where it was before they were activated. So it doesn't, it doesn't put my speakers back back to the setting it was on beforehand. It it randomly picks uh, 
a one of my display monitors, which I don't, I'm not using for my speakers, and it never picks, it switches off my mic again and goes to, it actually goes to something else. And so every time I, I go transition my Bluetooth headphones, I have to go into my sound settings and, and change these. And on the Mac, I used to have it so that uh, I could hit, uh, I think it was the Apple key and click the speaker. And I, I I could actually switch my mics in in outputs right there, and I see that in snapshots of of people's desktops doing that, but I can't figure out how to do it on I can't figure out how to do it on Pop OS, and it's driving me nuts because it it really sucks. Uh, that's my biggest biggest problem right now. There's a couple well, kooky well, things, but the other problem we that you had had last week that we resolved was the flat pack stuff. Uh things that oh, were great. things that you were getting from flat pack were unable to access the uh second mounted hard drive that you had and we figured out that that is a permissions thing specific to flat pack. And there is a flat pack uh, configuration GUI that you can get that'll get that all fixed up for you. Uh, or in this instance, you were using PHP Storm from Flatpak, mm-hmm. and we switched from that to the to using the uh, JetBrains so toolbox a, exactly, which yeah. keeps everything. Up which I didn't, I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize JetBrains had a toolbox for Linux. That was that was that was an awesome find in itself. Um, and, and in hindsight, I noticed. It, it, I, I came to the realization, I'm sure this is one of the benefits of flat packs, but when I go to install flat pack, I don't have to put in my password. I don't have to tell the system, yeah, it's okay to install this application like I do when I do an app get uh, install. You know, you have to sudo app get install, whatever it is, or app install and install something. Flat packs, you don't have to do that. Is it because so I assume, it's running kind of like Brew does on Mac? Yeah, I assume it, it lives up. in that user land layer of that individual user. I, I don't think, I think it, it, because it's all self-contained, including all its dependencies, it doesn't share any of the system resources. So it just it's just installed for whoever that user is. I'm assuming. I don't know, Thomas. Do you do you know more of that? I don't really understand the flat pack environment that well. I've I've only tinkered in it in a, for a really short period of time. Um, yeah. So I I've been kind of I've been kind of shying away from flat packs a little bit, just going with system uh, system installs. As I mentioned before, there are certain apps that tell you, hey, we're not supporting this anymore. You have to switch to Flatpak. I forget yeah. which one it was. Uh, there, Audacity, there's, there's I certain, think, is like that. There's certain apps that, that are forcing you to, and that's fine. I'm fine doing that. But yeah, uh, I, I did come across something cool today. And I would even, I don't know. I mean, I'm even willing to share my screen. I think you guys would like some of this stuff. But I, I it was cool for a little bit, and I stopped doing it. Um, the, one of my favorite things on the Mac is I had an app running called uh, uh Better snap, and it just allowed me to move uh, move my windows around from screen to screen, and you know move move them to one side or the other. And I think a lot of OSs do this by default. I think Windows does it by default. Um, well, Pop actually, OS Windows, also <laughs> Windows has the copyright on on that or the the uh, patent on that. So other OSs that are doing it are either licensing it or doing it differently enough that it doesn't violate Microsoft's copyright. But the whole <laughs> half window thing is mm-hmm. owned outright by Microsoft. That's interesting. So pop yeah. has that. It, it allows you to, to do the half half window thing, which works pretty well. But today, so, so pop has what, what it's called. It's called tile mode. And 
essentially what it does is it finds a spot on all your monitors for all the applications you have open. For me, that doesn't work. I have way too many apps working. And I end up, I end up with windows like this big, you know, <laughs> and you can, you can move them around. Uh, so I, I haven't been a big fan of the tiling mode. I, I think, I think it's really more directed towards laptops, but, but again, not a big fan of it, but Recently, they released what's called stack mode. Now, that was an interesting concept. So what you can do in stack mode is you can define certain windows as a stack, and then you can you can attach windows to that stack. The really cool thing about it, and this, this is true regardless of the stacks or the tiles or just the windows in general, is you can move everything around with your keyboard. So I can resize my windows and move them around just with my keyboards now. I'm starting to... I'm starting to learn those keyboard shortcuts. Uh, stack mode was very interesting for a long time. I'm like, you know what? I think I like this. I, I, I actually had on my um, my window that's uh, horizontal, uh, I had, you know, had it half and half, had a stack on the right, a stack on the left. And then my vertical window, I had one stack on top and then two small stacks at the bottom. And on my vertical, on one stack, I would have all my communication. And, you know, I just, I just, I was organizing things in different stacks and it was very nice. I'm like, you know what? I think this is it. I think I want to stick with this for a while. And I was really excited to show you guys it. Then my system, uh, uh, went to sleep. Uh, it didn't. It didn't suspend. The, the the monitors turned off. Monitors turned back on, and it's in tile mode again. And everything, like all my stacks, are blown away. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> so so yeah, I I abandoned stacks. I I liked them. I liked the concept, and I, I would be I'd be interested to do it to use it. But it's it's got to stay persistent for me. Uh, I can't. I, I can't spend 15 minutes reorganizing my all my monitors and my apps again. So so that's that. I do think that this weekend I finally come to the conclusion that I need to set my my Kinesis keyboard uh, back to Windows mode. Um, so the biggest difference in Windows mode and it's in it's in a Mac configuration now. I know watching the audio podcast you can't see this, but these two outer this key and this key are the Apple key, which are the super keys uh, in, in Mac. In Windows mode, those are the control keys. Now, this is important. And this is one of the dilemmas that I have not worked through yet. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to work through. It never occurred to me. It's been so long. It never occurred to me. As big of a Vim user as I am, as big of a keyboard person as I am, in the Mac world, the Apple key is king. Apple key does a lot of the system stuff. It does your copy, your paste, your cuts. A lot of the stuff you do, you do through your through your Apple key. This worked out very well for a Vim guy, right? Because I use my control key a lot in Vim for different things. Never even occurred to me. I'm using PHP Storm and I'm getting I'm getting accustomed to having to use the control button to do certain things like copy and paste and things like that. So in the Windows world and in the Linux world, the control key is the central key for a lot of your functionality. And I'm in PHP Storm and I go to do a control paste and said, oh no, I can't do that. Your control V is mapped to a Vim action. I'm like, holy shit, that's right. Control V is how you do the multi-cursor select sort of thing in Vim. I'm like, God damn it. That's right. That is a, holy crap. So is control C. Wait a minute. Like all my control freaking 
keys in Vim now are part of the Windows system. How am I going to do this? So I, I need to I need to figure out a workaround for that. I, I, I don't know what that's going to be right now, but that's an issue for me. <laughs> the, it's you guys, you guys, you're not supposed the control key is for Vim. Why are you guys using it for everything else? That's not <laughs> what it's there for. You bastards. I never touched the control key. Another episode of Vim Ugly. I I rarely use the control key. Really? Even in Vim, you you don't use control key? I rarely use Vim anymore. I use Vim mode within PHP Storm, but I just don't use the control key. I'm trying to think of what I use it. I I just don't. Well, I've got... I've got an interesting warning to give you guys this week. Somebody noticed that there are new keywords in PHP 8, new reserved words such as match, Mm -hmm. and that these were not deprecated in the previous version of PHP and therefore will not throw a warning when you upgrade to PHP 8. They will throw a fatal error, a fatal exception. Is it just me or is that a weird transition? That, that's Thomas saying, <laughs> Eric, you've talked too much. We've talked about, I'm we've moving talked on. about them enough for another week. I, I've, got, <laughs> I've got cards and Trello I want to talk about. I'm like, I'm like uh, wait, how did we get that? Hard cut. <laughs> okay. Right, now I'm on the same page. Okay. We're, we're now talking about PHP 8. Gotcha. Yes. Well, so PHP 8 is available for test now. Uh, RC1 is out and ready for people to use. Uh, not used in production, of course, just used for testing and prepping and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but the warning that goes along with it is that if you have classes named match, uh, that's going to be a problem. It seems to be a very common, very likely scenario. Yeah, it, it does. When I first saw this on Reddit, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. But then realizing how many people wrote a match class to handle string comparisons if, and things if, like if that. You wrote a match class, if you wrote a match class, oh, well, I guess namespacing wouldn't even matter, right? Because it's part of PHP core. Right. Yeah, that's an issue. So hmm. expect that one to come up uh, relatively quickly because with no time i mean we should have a year of deprecation notice for new keywords like this and we just didn't um and it's not not affecting me from what i see were there others or was that the the big one uh that's the big one Uh, let me pull up the the reddit page here real quick um matches the one that i saw um mixed was soft reserved but is now a keyword uh there's a new date format that will now that that was added. So in previous versions, the P date format will be a string literal. Um, That's bad for backward compatibility. And apparently the final attribute syntax can break hash comments. I don't, I don't know if that's, that's not an actual issue, but match is definitely going to be an issue. Yeah, hopefully, um, well, hopefully not. And Laravel's router has a function, has a method called match, which is going to be going to have to be renamed. So you're looking at, core level Laravel changes having to happen because of this. Well, it's a facade, oh, it, it, though, right? Is, the, is route colon colon match? Doesn't matter. It's still facade, a re- still reserved keyword. And, and facades are just uh. a, a wraparound for an actual object, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a whole other story. Um, we don't, don't talk worry. about it, that it, here. It, it'll be released in 8.0.6. Don't worry. <laughs> It is it is an interesting uh conundrum for Laravel because it's it's going to be a breaking change if they have to change the router for this and that requires a major version number which he that's just That's why I said don't released. worry it'll be 806. But that's not Semver. <laughs> Neither is Laravel. 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so never mind. It'll it'll be it'll be solved ra- rather quickly. Ah, uh, lordy, lordy. That's good. Well, to know. Got- I, I, when do you think the Docker containers will be released? Once once it goes generally available, minutes. Yeah, yeah. I think they have a. I think they have a build pretty quick for that. Yeah, the the Docker Hub has a build pipeline for all things you- PHP, so you can get it as soon as the code is published. Hey, right, so there's already one for release candidate one. I'm sure. I should try it out. I wonder how, what would happen on my code base. I got a question. I know, I know you guys don't do a crap ton of unit testing, but this has come up a lot lately. Unit testing Laravel eloquent models. Mm-hmm. So within Burner, we're moving away from, again, legacy code base, 15 plus years old, moving away from active record models because they were doing too much. And unit testing active record models is very hard to do because they are so tightly coupled to the database. How do you do that in Eloquent, how do you test these things correctly? Or do you just assume there's a database when you're testing models? From what I understand, you're supposed to use uh, SQL Lite populated with something. Right, but you're some, still you're it, still hitting a database memory. at that point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, that, the, the quick way of doing it has been, to answer your question, as far as I know, yes, you, you, you use some sort of database. In memory, SQLite is kind of the the one everybody likes to do yes that's been that's been one of the biggest things i've loved learning over the past few months or year is unit testing how to break apart your objects better not being so tightly coupled to the database this Mm -hmm. is where this is where repositories really come in because you can mock a repository and not actually hit the database Mm -hmm. but with Laravel facades, it just seems so hard to unit test things. And I'm not even trying to in Laravel right now. I'm just um, doing code Laravel, reviews. Elo- on- eloquent, you're talking about. Now, fac- El- facades don't really factor into that, right? They, I mean- do, they, do, they do. I don't know how to unit test code that uses facades because you're making static calls, which make it so difficult where the things I've been doing lately are creating very simple classes that themselves are easy to test, but you can also mock with uh, dependency injection so that other classes that you are now unit testing become even easier to unit test. Mm-hmm. And when it comes with when it comes to facades, it's where I'm just not getting it. I don't know how to do unit testing properly. And when I am code reviewing people that are writing tests or not necessarily testing, but trying to give advice on how to test, I just, I get lost. Yeah, I'm not a lot of help for you there. I'm, I'm afraid, afraid. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same, unfortunately. I, I know you're supposed to like mock them or something, but I don't see but, how teasing it makes any help. It hasn't helped me at all. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it just, just I, yeah. I, I mock all the Low time. But when, it, when it comes to facade slash static calls, they are so difficult to mock. So I don't know. I think generally that's the reason that Laravel's tried to pull away from facades is because it's hard to test. But mm-hmm. I think that's just one of the criticisms of facades in general. Uh, and and there's, there's also the argument that Laravel facades aren't true facades. We don't need to go down that, that path right now. But yeah, yeah, I, I think that's one of the issues. Well, I think that's the, the power of them is the fact that they're not true facades. There is an object behind them. But when it comes to unit testing... That's a whole different can of worms that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. And I, I'm slated to change my 5.7 Laravel app soon. I'm going to try to go straight to 8 via a rewrite. And I'm going to start via unit uh, TDD. So I really need to 
understand this. So if you guys could do some research in the next week or two, buy the shit. And tell me what to do. No, no, don't try to. Not for that. Uh, it, yeah, I've only got like just, a just handful a, of endpoints. Have <laughs> you uh, have you looked uh, for post on this? I'm sure somebody's no. got some Laravel testing post out there. Yeah, no, I'll, not I'll yet. I'll poke around. I'm sure there's stuff out there. You really don't have to. It was, that was supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh, not be like, okay, I'll do the work. I, I actually <laughs> took it as, Eric, you're my Laravel guy. Can you figure this out for me? And I, I was actually flattered. But whatever. You know, screw you. You figure it out yourself. Have, have oh, you guys I, I, used? I'll just not use Laravel. I'll just, that's oh, fine. Ooh. Dangerous territory there. What are you gonna say, Tom? Have you guys have you guys used Shift lately? No, I haven't really. I haven't really had a need. I've been staying pretty current with uh, Laravel, and even the, the jumps uh, don't seem that hard. So the, I did you, this. I did this well, seventy-eight shift. Did you see before you talk about that? Did you see J Max announcement? No. Where. Shift Shift is finally making him enough money where it basically could supplement his income, which is fantastic. I I love that guy. Kind of where I'm going with it because the the newest shift that I ran gave me a list of I would say three or four things that it didn't fix that there were other shifts for that you could buy. Mm -hmm. Like it said, hey, I noticed you have PSR zero namespaces. If you run this other ten dollar shift. It'll fix those. And I'm like, hey, you noticed them. Fix them. Like, <laughs> you used to fix this stuff. Like, is the is the base level shift eventually just going to turn into, like, here's a list of shifts you need to buy to, to fix your app? <laughs> That's awesome. Good um, job, J-Mac. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. It's just, I was... I was surprised that there's shift workbench, shift PSR fixes. Um, there's a shift help center, which I think is a paid help thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's like a consultant thing. I think they actually do the shifts for. Yeah, I, I know he has one tier where he basically, and I, I don't know if it's him or, or, or he, he outsources it, but they do the shift for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's and and there's a lot of value. I mean. There's a ton of value, especially if you don't have full-time developers or you don't have developers who've been working with Laravel as long as we have. Uh, there is, There will always be a market for this until until Taylor decides to make the upgrade part of the install. <laughs> there will yes. be there will be a market for Shift, and I don't I don't see that happening anytime soon. So I think no. J Mac is safe. So. <laughs> So yes, to answer your question, I'm not surprised that he's now making a full time living off of Laravel Shift. There's definitely a lot. Well, that's of, like uh, I, I don't know if plus. you noticed. Have you seen Adam Wathen's? Adam Wathen has been sharing some of his, his financials around Tailwind, and it's absolutely insane. So well, yeah, Tailwind, Tailwind UI is, is the paid Tailwind UI is the paid branch of Tailwind, and he was saying that that made a million dollars. Right, just that. And then he's got some. He's got some courses out there and a few other things yeah i mean that's not i don't think that's sustainable um but that's but, damn good <laughs> that's not why i drink <laughs> <laughs> I, I love pretty, nine to pretty five damn good yeah it's uh yeah this this might be me I, I i think j max got the better business model and i'm i'm happy the more he focuses on it the better it gets and everybody wins in that situation so i think that's well, yeah, his that's business model thing. is based on the inconsistency of Laravel. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the definitely a more is, stable business model. I, I don't know if I completely agree with that. I mean, it's not the inconsistency. He just 
he just automates. It's not inconsistency. I, I don't it's, agree with that. It's inconsistency in the fact that Laravel is constantly changing the core framework. Where I think if you're using Zen, it does do if, that. if you're using right. Zen framework, you're not not Zen, Zen framework Symphony. anymore. Symphony. It's not like every time a new version comes out, all of a sudden you have to completely change your application. Right. Yeah. Because let's be clear. What mm-hmm. what Shift does is it updates your code base to work with this year's version of Laravel. And there's no other frameworks out there that need that kind of babysitting. And I think that comes down to a lot of the the practices of so co-mingling or tightly bonding your your classes to Laravel specifically versus architecting your application in a way where you can move from from framework to framework. Thank you for that beautiful segue. I of was course. on That's what I'm here for. Ari. I was on Reddit and I got furious because somebody had released a package to fetch weather data in Laravel projects. And Why I just, would that make you furious? Because fetching weather data from a weather API is the most easy, just gimme task you could possibly give a junior developer. And Okay. And so tailoring, it, for it? tailoring it specifically for Laravel is such a pointless endeavor when, oh, when you could just, when you could just call enough. a new class. Now, I was made much happier later on finding an article from Matthias Novak that was about decoupling from frameworks. And this is a good article. And this is exactly what I wanted to see instead of weather for Laravel. Mm-hmm. I, I think this <sighs> I mean, goes... This goes down the road of how not to be so tightly coupled to Laravel. The Eloquent is so nice and easy, but there are so many drawbacks to it. And so I, I understand that camp. I mean, there 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 are camps here, right? the 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 argument is then why use Laravel? Right? If you're not gonna if you're not gonna use some of the benefits of having Laravel, then why use Laravel? Why don't you use packages yourself? People use well, Laravel because. To some degree, they're going to couple to the framework. Yes, and to some degree, you should couple to the framework. I think that request handling, uh, view handling, all of that stuff that's really well integrated and done perfectly fine, the core functions of what a framework should do should be handled the Laravel way if you're going to use Laravel because that's how it's easiest read and easiest debug well, you you're you're going to absolutely hate my next app because I, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna propose the laravel more specifically livewire i mean my my love for livewire absolutely locks me into laravel i, I have no way around that and you talk about coupling to a framework that's okay because the coupling that it does interconnects okay? multiple <laughs> no it interconnects multiple components so that your controllers interact with your views interact with your livewire templates all of that stuff can communicate because they use these these Laravel standards. But something like, let's say, for but example, it's absolutely weather, absolutely dependent on Laravel now. Yeah, and that's okay. I don't, I don't see the difference. I mean, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're telling me that, but I don't, I don't see the difference. <laughs> don't feel bad if, about if somebody, if, if if somebody decides. I mean, it, it, there are so many Laravel packages that are just wrappers to other packages where people have thrown on a facade to it or. Or just made it, you know, made the syntax yes. a little more Laravel wayish. And that's the thing. that's what I have a problem with is these pointless <sighs> wrapper packages that require me to fork the library because I want to run Laravel eight and they require Laravel five. And that's that's, the a, only, real, that's a real issue. I uh, matter of fact, I, su- I submitted a pull request today 
I was using a package uh, today to write um, HTML to PDF. And there's a very popular Laravel package out there. And when I went to the package, right there on the on the readme, it says uh, PDF exporter for Laravel 5. I'm like, yep. well, this isn't going to work. And then I started looking into the change logs and I'm like, no, no, no. He's been updating this. It's actually, it's actually compliant with Laravel 8. Same thing happened so, to me today. So I, I actually, I actually submitted a change request to his readme file saying, Hey, how about just dropping the number here and just say <laughs> PDF <laughs> exporter for Laravel? Yes. But get those Hacktober uh, requests in. I, oh man, have you seen some of the some of the hate mail? Oh jeez, the Twitter's well, not happy with Hacktoberfest this year. Hold on, hold on for that one second. So I'm to this issue. I'm hosting four forks of requirements for my application because the only thing that it needs is that number in the dev require you too to be selfish bumped to com- up a number. Commit back to the package? These are all packages that are either labeled as abandoned or the pull request for Laravel 8 has been ignored for, or 7 has been ignored for a year. Well, there you go. You build, build up your own little uh, library of things you take care of. Sure, but... People will like you. Here's the problem is that this is my... These are my repos and I've forked them. I don't. I haven't forked them under a company account because our company uses Git Labs. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be a company account to share on. I don't think it's it's not good practice. It's not good practice to have a dependency that's hosted by an employee. I mean, you can create an organization in GitHub that doesn't cost you anything. Diego Labs will will gladly host it. Jesus Christ, you're brilliant, John. I knew there's a reason I kept you around besides your 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 savvy accounting skills. You have a home, Thomas. Diego Labs. It can be you can embrace Diego Labs and let that be your open source. Just let it just be your 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 utter of 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 nutrition to the open source world that you want to deliver. You almost had me. You almost had me till you went gross with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a tendency to do that. I just yeah. I, I go right up to the line and then I step over. I apologize. <laughs> Sapphire wasn't just your big toe over this time. It was like both feet over. We we have... (laughs) Utterly unexcusable. We have a GOIP package that is... I keep updating to support the newest versions of Laravel. GOIP is like a standardized call. It's it's a class that you just say, hey, give me the GOIP data. And it gives Mm -hmm. it to you. This doesn't need to be Laravel bound. It doesn't have to have the Laravel string helper as one of its dependencies. It's just... Then why, then why are you still using it? Because, as <laughs> I was told earlier today, priorities. We have to work on our priorities. And we can't fix the things that frustrate the hell out of me just because they frustrate. I don't know. I'm not I don't. I don't... I, I, get, I get the argument. I think if, if you've made a decision to commit to the Laravel framework, you want to use Laravel packages, and you want to develop Laravel packages, ah, uh, you know... I think, I think if you're developing packages for Laravel, I I do think you're selling yourself short. I think you, if, yes, unless there's a specific reason for you to have that Laravel integration, I get that. Like the UUID package we have is specific to Laravel because it's it's dependent on certain things. It's it's actually dependent on the models in Laravel. Um, right. Or or go to but, basically everything that Spady does. Or Spatty, he's extending the functionality of Laravel. He's creating a more advanced 
Laravel, but mm-hmm. things like the weather. If you are writing a weather app or a weather fetching class and you limit yourself just to Laravel, you're alienating the other 50% of PHP developers or or higher that don't use Laravel. Are are most of these Laravel losing money? Are more of the most of these Laravel wrappers just a service provider? So that yes. your application knows how to get to. It's I think a class that's the and biggest a service provider. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest shortfall is not understanding dependency injection and making that work well. Because yeah. that's how you that's how you get to testability is having that dependency injection piece. If you're relying on these facades, that, that becomes hard point. to test. Yeah, that's that's a valid point. Yeah, I'll, it, I'll, I'll agree to that. And and initially, when we're talking about Laravel four, those service providers changed how we program fundamentally. Those service providers made it possible for other services to interact with each other on an an autonomous level that we didn't have to configure. And that's where we got into this habit of writing service providers for everything we added to Laravel. But it's not necessary if you're not interacting with the Laravel framework in a unique way. No, you can still use a service provider without Laravel. The service sure, but I mean, provider- I mean the way that the way that the Laravel service provider works was very new at the time. The way that it allows for interactive functionality between middleware and controllers was new. Was it? I, yeah, I see that I don't say, know because you could say this is my routing service provider. And it would go and use that routing service provider, and see, you had the contracts for it already set, and you followed these contracts. See, to me. The service provider is all about interfaces. When I ask for a queue interface, I'm going to give you back Beanstalk because that's what we're using for queuing. Or I'm going to give you back RabbitMQ because that's what we're using for queuing. And because of that interface, you have a common gateway to make that work. That's all the service provider does. But when well, it comes to unit, but when it comes to unit testing, you can mock the interface. You don't have to mock Beanstalk. You don't have to mock RabbitMQ. It's like I'm going to mock the interface and I'm going to push that into whatever the service is so that I can test that the interface yeah. works correctly. So that's that's what I'm saying is that what Laravel did in Laravel 4 was gave you interfaces and uh, and functional classes for all of that kind of stuff. That was that was just a done deal. So if you needed to switch between queuing engines, it didn't matter which one you were switching to as long as you held to the interface and your service provider said, I'm a version of this interface. Mm-hmm. So it was it was the combination of using that service provider functionality that that existed as a core of PHP and adding in default interfaces for all of this functionality that had been built out to, to learn. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to move forward. I actually want to jump back if you guys are okay with it. I, I want to uh, J-Mac. I want to talk about <laughs> J-Mac again. Okay. I, if it's, I, if it's I think, J-Mac, I could talk about him all day. I think J-Mac is, is the next like big business person in the Laravel community. Not that he isn't now. Because I think this guy, I think he's sitting on a gold mine. And we've seen little sparks of that at, at conferences where he's talked about the analytics of all these shifts. I, I mean, this guy, I don't know if he is, but he could potentially be get, be gathering so much data about projects, about the developers who work on those projects, about, uh, you know, uh, dependability of of projects and really start to build up a database of of metrics and the the A-plus developers and 
I mean, I think he has a lot of good data there. If he's if he's keeping it and mining it. If he's realistically, I don't know his his terms of service, but I don't think he's keeping repo data. I think it's <laughs> Yeah, you're I, probably right. He's probably I mean, I know he I know he has done the 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 metrics at conference talks before of Hey, you know, th- this percentage of people ha- handle, you know, these requests incorrectly. This is what they're doing. You know, I've seen those before. Right. It, it would be fascinating to know what actual data is available. It's yeah. also scary. It's also scary because again, you're, you're handing off your proprietary code base to some body, some company, whether it's shift or any other service where you're letting them have access to your proprietary code. Mm-hmm. It, it can be scary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I just want to touch on that. Cause I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I see, I see, I see, I can see JMAC becoming a super, super valuable resource, especially for big deep pocket corporations who are looking for fantastic developers and they don't want to have to go through this interview process. You can just <laughs> oh, say, oh, hold on. Let me put together what? a doom and gloom card. <laughs> <laughs> That is a dark future you foretell. All right, all right. Before you do that, have you, ha, did you hear about the the sponsor of this episode? No. Argus two. It's an amazing service available to <laughs> if you really want to monitor your cron jobs. Are we are, are we are we to that phase now? We're we're just gonna we're gonna start selling it. I'm good with that. I'm happy. I, I have uh, I have some time set aside this week, and I'm planning on the, the, doing some. The the people that are using it are. Diego Dev clients that are using it because they are guinea pigs rave about it. I I really can't believe the the response that we've gotten to it, and I'm super excited about that. So it's yeah, I like to see. I I would like to see that excitement translate to because I we built it because we saw a need for it, but I I didn't realize it was going to bring bring so much peace of mind to the the client that we have using it it's to you to your point it's like yeah you just you can't stop talking can't stop saying enough nice things about it most most businesses have some sort of like billing that's on a cron schedule i mean there's probably tens hundreds of other things that are happening uh phone burner for example has i want to say well over a hundred scripts running via cron that are would benefit from monitor monitoring like this but billing obviously is the most crucial you want to make sure that it starts and it ends and that it runs when it's supposed to run and building internal tools is not always easy having your own internal tool that monitors something is bound to be flawed so having something that says hey you're supposed to run every day and I you haven't told me you're running in the past 25 hours. I'm going to alert you. Again, it's not necessarily that there's a problem. It's hey, just go look and make sure. So, yeah. I'm I'm excited about it and I I think it's a a beneficial application. Do you have a Laravel yeah. specific integration? Yeah. He <laughs> yeah. yeah. John's skin starts to crawl every time I have to walk him through the code base. <laughs> no, the application, it's, no, it's you know, the application is written in, in Laravel. He means for other people to integrate into their system. And oh, is that what you're saying, Thomas? Sorry, no. But we are thinking about like that, writing yeah. a. We are thinking about writing a uh, a uh, package for Laravel because Laravel has the uh, before ping then ping function in their scheduler. And when 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 we built the service, we were making it 
independent of everything. Basically, if if you had curl on the command line, you could use the service. That that was our that was our goal, uh, and, and we accomplished that. But we realized with Laravel, uh, we could actually potentially offer more benefit to that if we had a package for them. So we're we've been talking about you know, the ability to be able to pass uh, error messages back to the job, so that if if for example, if you have an overlap, we could pass back an error saying, hey, this is overlapping with another job that you didn't want it to overlap with. And then they could take that information, do something with it. Uh, so we are looking to develop a package specifically for Laravel and any other framework out there that that might have a similar setup to manage schedules. But it's cool. I'm, I'm happy with the the. The simplification we have of it is, I think, very interesting. Um, when we first started designing it, and I took my initial crack at it, my complexity was way off the charts. Uh, and I had answers for everything, but it also required a lot of input from, not a lot of input, it did require the person inputting it to understand cron schedules and to define a cron schedule, make sure that cron schedule stayed current, so if you change your crown schedule on your server, you have to come back to the service and change the crown schedule. And John came up with much more eloquent, simpler solution. It has its limitations, and we understand that, and we're working through some of those limitations. But now it's just basically, hey, I have this job. It should run twice a day, three times a day, whatever, twice a month, whatever it is. Go create, you know, monitor this for me. And, and it's really that simple. It's you, we generate a... a endpoint for you to hit and that's it so this this implementation i call it you know the, the the simpler implementation i'm not saying that we won't if there is enough interest in this product and we get enough requests that it won't if we won't have another tier that allows more granular control over the configuration that's very possible and we've already worked out that solution i, I already know what that solution looks like we already started coding that solution and then we pulled back so yeah, it's cool. It's fun. It's it's been fun to do. It took longer than I thought, but it's been fun to do. So yeah, Argus.to, go sign up. Hopefully, we'll have billing available soon. Because because you want to well, we can we can we can let the we can let the beta testers and we have a wait list. You can you can jump on the wait list and maybe we'll do that this weekend. Let me see where we're at. I, I'm I'm putting together the, the support uh, little support bot. If I can get the support bot done, that that's my last I, thing. It, I don't care about the support bot. <laughs> what is the support bot? I, gonna I do. do. What's the support bot going to do? We'll talk about that. Give off. people <laughs> a way to tell us there's a problem. <laughs> if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, there is always Patreon. Thank you, patrons. <laughs> We yes. need music. You need music for the Patreon piece. Patreon, but Patreon. if you really want to support the podcast, Argus that too, and then become a patron. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear here, two out of three of us make money on Argus. One of us doesn't. <laughs> Yet. Okay. It, it could get it could get huge. I could get hired on as the Argus guy. Argus two. I mean, I, I could bring up the fact that Shush. Thank you to all of our Patreons. <laughs> Uh, I hope everyone's gotten all of their Patreon rewards. I'm glad to hear that Buttery Crumpet has gotten his reward. And uh, yeah, Buttery, when you when you do get a picture of that, send it to us. We'll throw it up on the Patreon page. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or anyone, if you have a if you have a pet that would look excellent modeling the the PHP ugly lanyard, we would love to have a picture of that. 
It's, it's a keychain. It would be a, like a very like, small pet. Micro lanyard. <laughs> Although I don't know, it's kind of lanyard I, sized for most pets. We 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 had some friends over yesterday. Again, going back to Linda and Ben, who I talked about with the beer with at the beginning, because they they're fans as far as they watch for like five or ten minutes just to make fun of me and say that they don't understand what we're talking about. I gave her a few keychains for her kids yesterday. And then, of course, my kids are like, oh, what are those? So I gave them. <laughs> and and they figured out if you put two together, you can turn them into handcuffs. Oh, great. <laughs> That's a lesson quickly learned. Yeah, I still have a stack of them here <laughs> in uh, Colorado. So those will be going out to some lucky kids on Halloween. <laughs> wow. Sure, they'll be happy to get that. All right, is that it? Are we wrapping up? Are we done? Well, done. I... I'm curious because you're, you're still on the Patreon slide there. We need better transitions. Come on, man. <laughs> I have an dream coming true. Two posts on our Trello board about HTTP three. Uh, what did I tell you, Eric, before we started this show that I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up. Someone's going to bring it up and I haven't fully read it. I, I just happened to be cruising around. I'm like HTTP three. I didn't know that was a thing. All of a sudden, it's a thing. It's going to be available soon. And it's already slated to be available in uh, Safari 14. It's going to be automatically enabled. It's already available in Chrome and Firefox via a flag. So it's disabled by default, but you can turn it on. And I still don't even know what it does. (laughs) Well, what's it bringing to the table? All I know is HTTP 2 broke the application I work on. So I'm not even using H2 and all of a sudden there's H3 available. I'm assuming H3 is the same shorthand as H2 because that's what people are calling it. So now I'm scared to try and upgrade to that. (laughs) There's one more thing I'm afraid to upgrade to. So there's, there's one thing in here that I think is interesting or or two things, I suppose Uh, stream multiplexing and per stream flow control, which would be relevant for sites like Twitch, YouTube, et cetera, where you want to send out one stream to X number of IP addresses at the same time. Right now, leaving your data center is one stream per host requesting. But they've been talking about that for years with like multiplexing, not necessarily well, over so a protocol like this, but... That's the thing is that multiplexing is at a lower level on the OSI platform and has to be implemented by the application level to function properly. So we've had multiplexing in IPv4 for decades, but what we haven't had is multiplexing in applications that actually use it. Uh, Most of the places where you see multiplexing, multiplexing currently used is internal telephony systems for offices and stuff like that. Um, But properly deployed, you could see multiplexing really doing something on the wider scale of the internet. So I'll have to look into it. I mean, it is the link that you gave here is a draft memo, which is Mm -hmm. uh, hundreds of pages long. Yeah, I was like, I started looking through, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to make it through this before the show. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm just not going to make it through it. <laughs> nope. Ever. Um, but the yeah, that's that would be interesting to see multiplexing actually work so that you could start your own YouTube if you wanted to and not have to worry about excessive bandwidth costs. Uh, and then yeah. uh, per per stream flow control. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a server side thing. I don't see. I assume the multiplexing thing died years ago because to me that was all the the server was sending out a stream of something, whether it was a broadcast or 
some sort of video that everyone was watching at the same time. The goal was one stream out of my data center. It gets to my various network endpoints and then from there spreads out to the people that need it. So Yes. And one of the reasons it never really took off on the web is because it's very easy to spoof uh, multiplexing into causing router storms. Mm-hmm. And that's bad. Yeah, that makes sense. But to me, it also died when you got to things like Sirius XM and all these other things where people aren't listening to the same thing at the same time. It's you start it, you know, 10 minutes after I do, you're going to get a different stream than I'm getting. I think Sirius XM is a bad example because that's literal multiplexing. That's just a satellite stream. It's narrow casting slash they also go over the internet where you can pause and all that crap. So... But I guess that's yeah. more local as well. Probably yeah. pausing locally. We'll see. I'm sorry I'll... for a bad example, but the point was <laughs> narrow casting. And that'll teach starting... you to put cards on Trello. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were, we, we got to the end of the show. I'm like, okay, we're going to wrap up. I'm not going to have to talk about this bastard. Well, I've got one last one to close <laughs> us out. Uh, they've discovered how to detect deep fakes by checking for a pulse. <sighs> Do explain. This is interesting. Have you ever seen... When you're getting your blood drawn, they have a a thing that flashes a a green picture of your veins on your arm so they can quickly find it. It's called a vein finder. Clever name. Never seen it. Nope. (laughs) I don't don't, don't think they ever do that for blood pressure. Not blood pressure. You're getting your blood taken. Okay. Still, Still never seen it. Yeah, but so if you if you go pull up an image on Google Images, you'll see it. It's just a green square that shows where your veins we, are on your if arm. If we only if we only had a scene that you could share that with everybody watching the, the stream oh right now, God. that would be oh. just so awesome. Just, anyway, continue. Yes. I, how does that help with deep fakes? Because I don't have that scene you, working right now. You would think that <laughs> with a deep fake, the where you're putting the deep fake, the person behind still has a pulse. The person behind does, but not the replaced person. So but what happens is the the movements in your vascular structure are so fast and so small that if you look at one frame to the next, you can actually detect them, uh, even from video. And hmm. but how, how do you detect pulses? Because in a video? Yeah, I, I, it, it, it works. Trust me, it's it's enough it shows up enough that a machine learning algorithm can see it. A person can't see it, but machine learning algorithms can definitely see it. Um, So they've created a machine learning algorithm that looks for these pulses on video and says, Hey, you know, we watched this for 30 seconds and he had a flat pulse the entire time. He was no inflection or whatever in his bloodstream. So we think it's a fake. And as with all machine learning things, I mean, it's a black box. You don't know exactly how it's, determining these things but you train it with deep fake videos and with real videos and it starts to get more and more accurate and say okay this is how it's working you know this is a real one or this is a fake one so but where are they getting the pulse from because the 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 fakes i've seen seem like it's really just the face yeah so you would think the neck where the pulse would be being seen is it's, still it's visible on your facial structure <sighs> it, it really is via a video yeah Man, now you got me. You're, you're so full of crap. <laughs> no, I, I got. Gotta, I have. Now I have the now link I have right to go here. Read? Shiner, Shiner on security researchers have developed an AI to detect circulation-induced shifts in color. So yeah, that that'll work for about a month until they figure out how to work around. Yeah, there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, at least for that month, we can be sure That's, that deep fakes. They, are they even real. end with 
they even end with that. Of course, this is an arms race. I expect deep fake programs to become good enough to fool fake catcher in a few months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm All right. Based on that, I'm not reading the article. <laughs> That's you just read the, hey, end Thomas, of the article. Thomas, I, I'm I'm surprised you didn't have another doom and gloom on here. Uh, Amazon has basically completely alleviated your concern of your microwave mapping your house. Did you see this? How'd they manage this? They they released a little indoor drone that will fly around your house and map your house for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not Amazon. That's it. I thought that was Amazon. No, that's it's a, it's a little. Oh God, uh, it, it's not simply safe. It's the other internet based security. I'm pretty sure it's Amazon that has a little security drone that will. It's a security drone. So when it hears a noise in your house and it it doesn't detect anybody home it will fly to the noise and and see what's going on but everybody's already starting to speculate or it'll fly around your house and say hey i noticed you're running low on toilet paper do you want me to order you toilet paper it's ring which might be amazon that's google is it it's rings on rings no no ring ring is amazon yeah ring is amazon you're you're correct yes they bought it last year is it yes it is yeah Nest is Google, and Nest uh, has their own Ring device, but Ring is Amazon. Yes. So, so yeah, you don't have to now. Now you can rest com- comfortably that your house is totally being mapped by Amazon, and uh, you're safer because of it. Yes, I believe Stephen Colbert described this as a a whole new way to harass your cat. <laughs> okay, I think that's it. Am I? Am I? Is this a false start, false then again? Are you guys no. going to come up with something else? You're right. Episode 208 is in the books. 208. 208. Isn't that what I said? Yeah. yeah. I like what I said. I, I was just, I was saying it with you. I, I was being a cheerleader for you. If you listen to our audio podcast, feel free to join us Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Pacific to, until apparently 1030 uh, Pacific, uh, where we record live. I'm going to try to talk to guys and let me do a little Vim after the show. So if you're if you're watching, stick around. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll show you my Vim configuration. I want to show, I'm hoping to show John some stuff here. But th- that's it. Uh, show's over, 208. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. If you would like to support PHP Ugly, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash phpugly. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in the PHP Ugly Discord channel. Show notes and RSS feed can be found at phpugly.com. To catch the live stream, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash phpugly. You can also subscribe to the edited podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. A reading of five stars is always appreciated. And finally, thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at diegodev.com. Until next week, keep it ugly.